0: Well, this is a treat. Dr. Emma Wedgworth, consultant, dermatologist and all-round wonder woman. That's how I think of you. Sorry, I know you're not going to like that. You're going to be like, really? But you're back on the show this time, not talking about skin care, which is obviously, or skin and skin care, which is an area of expertise. We are going to be talking about your five feel-good habits.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Um, but as I said before, I, I'm I'm a little bit anxious about this because it's such a different
0: uh, change of
1: pace, me sort of talking about
0: myself rather than talking about skin. I know. Well, hopefully, hopefully I'll be gentle and hopefully you'll enjoy the experience. <laughs> um, and I do think it's really wonderful to hear lots of different perspectives of how and we were talking before listeners about what a feel good habit really is. And it had never occurred to me that I was putting pressure on people by saying oh hey do you want to come in and show your feel-good habits because i sort of present it in a way that i believe is really effervescent but actually it is quite a lot of pressure Like, how do we all show up do our best and not show the world that actually there are some things rippling under the surface
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's if i'm totally honest it's always been you know a uh, a struggle for me to actually you know do those sorts of things and incorporate them so I think that's why I probably felt a bit anxious about it but it's really good and I think to be able to share these things and to share how much you've learned if you're not somebody that perhaps is naturally sort of effervescent is um, hopefully really useful.
0: Okay well let's start with your first one where are we beginning?
1: Okay so I would say that my first one is music.
0: Oh yes go on.
1: Um, so this is something that I have done from really quite early on. So I particularly remember it when I was at university. So unfortunately, when I was at university, my, um, my dad died and I had to take my exams very soon after. And it was really, really traumatic. He had, you know, It was a horrible. He had cancer and it was a really horrible death. And I was doing my medical school exams and um, I was like, right, I've just got to keep going. And I just remember every morning before I went to my exam, just like listening to a song that really resonated um, and just to try and sort of get me going. And I still do it now, you know, actually, if I'm, you know, if I'm not feeling great or if I am feeling great, I want a sort of soundtrack to, um, to, my, to my life. So that's um, probably my first one
0: okay so I'm going to have to ask you and you I know that you've listened to the episode with Caroline and Caroline and I share a lot of I mean some people that she listens to I have no idea who they are, who they are but our rock our love of rock is very similar there's a lot of symmetry there um is there a particular band artist type of music soundtrack playlist that you tap into
1: absolutely so mine is 90s R&B um, <laughs> so I know <laughs> this is honestly hilarious and all of my children laugh at me so much, but at, when I was in the nineties, which was a great decade. I mean, honestly, I <laughs> it was. Really <laughs> it was so absolutely sort of nineties R and B. That really is my um, my soundtrack.
0: Okay, and who are we talking about here? And the reason I'm chuckling so much is because there was a video on Instagram last night of somebody doing. Um, impersonating what 90s r&b dance videos look like and it was so spot on it was just you know the baggy leather trousers the the white vest it was very oh what was that guy and there was the whole do you remember who i'm talking about i bought his album and it was the one where he was really beautiful and he did this album at uh, this video where he's topless and he's singing and it's a really slow ballad and there was all this controversy about whether actually just out of shot below the waist he was getting um, oh. a blowjob during awesome. the video. No, it wasn't no. Usher. I've, I've totally forgotten Am the guy's I? name. Beautiful, beautiful guy. But anyway, um, I don't know
1: why. <laughs> are there Am any
0: particular I? artists?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, actually, my music taste is probably quite eclectic. So, um, 90s R&B, there was a lot of, like, gangster rap, a bit of war um, and then And this is hilarious because I think people are always like, what? You like <laughs> <are you?" laughs> <Sorry. laughs> honestly it's it's not what people would necessarily expect um a lot of like destiny's child at that sort of time and then um i love prince um Mm. and then just a whole range of of sort of other other things that i really like but that's definitely my sort of my vibe yeah
0: one thing i never thought i would be asking dr emma wedgworth is are you east coast or west coast
1: (laughs) i think west coast i think i'm west coast sure
0: Sure, <laughs> okay, West
1: right. West Coast for the, the tunes, but East Coast for the lack of sun, which um, suits me much better.
0: Oh, yeah, well, dermatologist, you know, <laughs> stay out in that sunshine. <laughs> exactly. I love it. You'd be in a blacked out escalade anyway if you were on the West Coast, it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so what is your second feel good habit?
1: Okay, so this leads on from my first one, um, and that is dancing. Um, yes. So, absolutely a dance around the kitchen which is honestly mortifying my children now that they're getting into their teens and tweens they are literally like can you just stop because you can imagine alongside the 90s r&b other 90s r&b moves mm-hmm. um, and when you've got you know your 43 mother doing her thing and i'm i'm known for my dancing my... <laughs> they are mortified and you know what i say i don't care I'm really enjoying this. So you can just go out the room because I don't care. Um, so yeah,
0: that's my second one. A little bit of a dance, a little bit of a boogie.
1: I'm, I'm sorry, but locked up. and I feel now, and I know this is ridiculous because there is no age limit to dancing, but I feel like, am I ever gonna dance again? <laughs> am, I, am I gonna go, I mean, obviously not in my kitchen, but you know, uh, in clubs, am I? Is this the end of my dancing career?
0: Yeah, guilty feet have got no rhythm. I'm so sorry I'm sure you will dance again
1: I I mean I hope so the world would be a uh, an unhappier place if they didn't see me again on the dance floor um, <laughs> do
0: you know what though people keep saying I can't wait to go to a pub and a club or whatever and I just think oh crowded dance floor just sounds like a nightmare my my front room is the perfect amount of dance space for me
1: <laughs> I don't think there's enough dancing in life and you know I think my friends stopped dancing when we stopped going to, you know, horrible clubs. On the whole, because mm. no one really quite enjoys dancing as much as me, and I'm I'm not quite confident enough just to stand there and dance by myself in a gathering. So, <laughs> it has to generally be done in um in yeah the privacy of my kitchen with my children, who I don't care what they think. So yeah.
0: There was something, I know that they don't happen anymore, but there was something quite pleasing about a flash mob back in the day. Was that like early 2000s? The idea of just like taking the time to learn a routine.
1: I would love that. I would just absolutely love that.
0: My um, my
1: life goal, which will never happen because I'm not a celebrity, unfortunately, is to be on like Strictly Come Dancing. And, and my family were like, oh, I mean, you'd love it.
0: The outfits, the fake tan, the whole like... Do you know you would be brilliant. Would, come on, you need to get, you need to do a couple of slots on BBC <laughs> News, talking about skin and skincare, and being an important work. You know, and
1: I'm then just a sudden, die happy. Wonder if that. I, I can
0: see it now. I can absolutely see it now. Dr Emma Wedgworth takes to the dance floor for her rumba
1: honestly my family think it's hilarious because they've seen me on the dance floor many times and I have a huge affinity for fake tan so (laughs) it's perfect basically
0: actually I covered myself in fake tan on Sunday night and I still feel great four days later
1: I know that is a that's a mini feel good habit I put it on for the first time the other day, and I said, like, "Whoa, I'm looking so much healthier already." Not that tans are healthy, okay? I cannot be on oh podcast saying this, okay? Tans are unhealthy, but fake tan is fine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. and there, yeah, absolutely. And I just think I, I looked in the mirror at the weekend and I thought, "Oh, you're looking a bit pasty, love," and I <laughs> yeah, just decided to. But I can never, I can never be. I never use a light touch. It's always just like get it all on mahogany brilliant yeah um
1: yeah i i i do find my whole affinity to fake tan difficult because um i spend my whole life telling people accept the skin color that you are born with just love it all skin types are brilliant and then um and then i have my daughter going "Why putting your fake tan why are you changing the color of your skin why are you doing this i'm like i don't know i should just embrace it but i just got used to it now
0: yeah there is something so in, like, this the, the way that a little bit of you know, a little booster drop in your moisturizer or just something, and it's just that thing where you put it on and then you look in the mirror that afternoon, you're like, Oh, yeah, it just gives a very obvious, nice but subtle boost. There we go. That's a nice, mini feel good habit. Thank you for slotting that in. Um, what is number three, my friend?
1: Okay, so this is actually gonna, I'm gonna start to be a bit more serious, I've um, because. I um my therapy sessions I definitely have struggled with feeling quite sort of positive and things over the years um, so I now have an amazing therapist who is like my life coach and I'm constantly like oh, what would Anna say um, so I you know just taking an hour a week um, it's it's brilliant
0: I was there a particular moment where you thought I need to start doing this or or was it was it quite relaxed or was it did you get to a because for me personally I was at a breaking point when I started therapy and if I hadn't done it then gosh I dread to think whereas I know people who've done it thinking as a preemptive strike against something potentially happening but what, what about you?
1: Now, i wish it were a preemptive strike i mean i think i have um struggled with my mood since i was fairly young so probably from the age of about 18 or 19 and for so many years i thought oh it's fine i'm functioning you know i'm I'm doing really well and i was successful and you know all sorts of things and and in some ways 20 years ago i think there was much more of a stigma around you know going to the doctor and saying you know my mood's slow i feel depressed and um, so i didn't do anything for years and years and years until I had my um, children and then after I had my daughter and actually during my pregnancy I got very depressed and after I had my daughter I was very very depressed and I think at that point it was so much easier because I didn't have to do it for me anymore um, I actually had to do it for my kids like I was like I cannot show them this so actually um, then I got help and I was on antidepressants for a long time and then um, after that I've sort of intermittently had some therapy and nowadays. it's brilliant because it is actually almost that preventative thing you know I'm good nowadays but actually I don't want to get back to that I've got two kids I don't want to have a depressed mom because I just Mm. think that's such a hard thing for children Um, and whereas I don't think I was ever very good to myself in my younger years like I didn't look after myself as well but now it's almost easier to look after you know other people and do it for other people so it's on the background of a long long history um, of sort of mood changes which unfortunately so many people have
0: and it's true and there's that saying isn't there you can't pour from an empty cup and i think so often i did a, a podcast the other day with uh, jess griffiths who's the clinical lead at beat which is an eating disorder support charity and she was talking about the correlation in the data that shows that people pleasing characteristics or personality types are more likely to suffer in some cases with various type of eating disorders and just realizing all of these things are so intertwined and if you are a people pleaser And then you need to help yourself sometimes you you are you're trying to help yourself once you've spent so much time helping others that you just don't have the energy
1: i i absolutely right i mean i think as a doctor and you take it so i genuinely care so much and it sounds really daft but actually i really do care that you know you make things better for people because you, you have these sort of skills and you can see, and particularly in skin disease, how much it impacts on people. Like you definitely want to do it. You put so much into it. And at the end of the day, you do sometimes feel a bit drained. And now I've got kids. So it's either between patients and kids. <laughs> it's like, there's no time. Um, and I think I have historically been really bad at looking after myself. So that's something that I've just learned quite a lot of. And I think you also have to, the other thing I thought when I was talking, thinking about feel good habits was like, There gets to a point sometimes, and if you have ever been depressed, where, you know, doing a bit more exercise or having, you know, a bath or meditate, it's not going to cut it. You actually need help. Mm. And and that happened to me after my, you know, pregnancy that actually I I wasn't able to, you know, just make myself feel a bit better. I actually need a bit of help. And I think now I'm very good at realizing that, that, you know, sometimes... I am genuinely sort of clinically depressed and sometimes I'm just feeling a bit low mood and you get to know that I think after mm-hmm. a while. So it's, it's useful. You really learn to look after yourself and this, the, yeah, the therapy is really, really helpful.
0: Well, that's, that's such good advice. And I think the more we talk about that, and the more we say it, hopefully, cause I was really embarrassed. I definitely thought that going to a therapist and when people would have said to me in the past, if you thought about having some therapy, I just, I interpreted rejection. You just don't want to yeah. hear my crap anymore but actually it's really empowering when you start doing it 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 totally goes from being something that you need because you're not good or you're not looking after you not looking after yourself well isn't the right thing but because you you failed in some way it becomes yeah. a real positive
1: i i absolutely agree and i think i used to think you know like i said 20 years ago i was reluctant to go to accept it or and to think that it's not a weak you know weakness and i would think oh maybe it will be on my occupational uh, therapy, not occupational therapy on an occupational health uh, record and people won't want to employ me i mean it's such nonsense you know one in five people will have a mental health issue at some point in their life and you know one in four 16 to 24 year old woman will have it mm. so it, it's absolutely not a weakness and i think also i've come to terms with things over time that actually i do need to look after my mood because you know if If I was a diabetic and I knew that I didn't produce enough insulin, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'd just take my insulin. I'm not, I'm not saying it's quite the same as that, but I am somebody that is prone to low mood. Mm. So I need to be constantly aware of that and, and look after it. And I'm really open with my kids about it and mental health problems and say, yeah, you know, I was depressed at times and you might get depressed and, you know, I've various different things in, in their life that I've, you know, sought support for them in. So I think, but it does feel uncomfortable, right? Even if I'm talking to you, yeah. I almost feel a little bit vulnerable about saying it because, you know, I think there, there is still a stigma and I'm a doctor for goodness sakes and I still feel like a bit uncomfortable about it.
0: Yeah, I, I've been very open on this podcast about it, but there, I, I have exactly the same thing because I feel like when I'm talking about it, I feel like I'm in control. I feel like I understand what I mean, but you have no control over someone else's interpretation of what you're saying and if they have uh, a particular opinion about it then they they might not receive it in the positive manner in which you're trying to express it so i totally i hear you
1: yeah but i think it is you know it's so important i used to um, and i still do i see a lot of adolescents and i see a lot of adolescents who have skin issues so as a result i see a
0: huge amount
1: of mental health problems in adolescents and it's something i feel so strongly about and you know every so often and, and i think people when you're particularly when you're a doctor people think that you have it all together, you know, and like I've got the answers because I am so good at giving everyone else advice, you know, I'm brilliant. But I think sometimes actually just saying, do you know what, we all struggle a bit and it's nothing wrong with it. And also, you can get through, you can live a really successful life. Like, I have a great job, I have great friends, I have a good family. And it, it you know, it, it's a positive message about there's so much you can do that you don't have to live like that.
0: That's just made me think about something else as well, actually, about the fact you see so many adolescents and I. I had terrible acne, I've told you this story when I was a kid and I was just given the pill because it was hormone related. And actually to think that I could have gone to see somebody he would have said, yeah, do you know what? You've got really quite angry cystic acne and there's some things that we can do for that. But how are you, just the idea when you were talking then I was thinking if somebody had seen that that had triggered me withdrawing or that had triggered more um, emotional issues around how I looked, that would have been a really valuable thing to unpick in my teens rather than in my late thirties.
1: Right I know I I think we are now increasingly understanding for people who have skin conditions how much it does impact Mm. on but just generally how difficult sort of self-image and you know appearance-based anxiety and all of that is particularly for for young younger people and so I think it is a very very important part of of my job and I'm constantly sort of picking up underlying cues around people's mood and you know the way that they're being affected by their skin conditions um and I think in a way so you know having had mood problems makes me actually very very sympathetic to them Mm. Um, and very you know people find it very easy to talk to me about their issues which is great because actually you get it out in the open so I think in some ways you know there are some real positives about being someone that's quite sort of highly sensitive or you know whatever it may be
0: that's that's really lovely and I like I, I now feel gosh I always thought an appointment with you as a as an adolescent if I'd been able to come to see you when I was 13 would have been amazing now I think it would have been incredible right let yes, so you would have got
1: the whole R and B plus the <laughs> dancing, then my life story. I mean, Emma, it's quite
0: a it's quite a thing. <laughs> well, I was just I was just thinking she would have been really compassionate. I had no idea there was going to be a dance break, but I would have accepted it. <laughs> you and me doing some Aliyah rock the boat. Right, okay. Um what, what are we doing for number four?
1: Um so probably my makeup. Yes. Um, yeah, and Again, I'm a little bit ambivalent about saying makeup because my daughter asks me all the time, "Why do you need to put makeup on to go to work?" And it's such a good question, isn't it? You know, I'm a doctor; no one really cares what I look like. Why am I putting on makeup? But I suppose on the days where maybe you are not um, feeling it so much, in a way, it is a little bit of um, you know armor, and you put it on and. One thing that I'm really interested in is like, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I don't feel like it, but actually you go, even if you don't feel like it, you go through the motions, you do it, and then your mood gets better after that. So I think putting on my makeup definitely does lift me a bit and make me into something that that feels a little bit more able to face the world.
0: I, that sounds
1: I can go out without makeup. Probably. No,
0: I totally agree. I've just written a piece actually for Space NK about um, how my type of depression, I get a little bit agoraphobic. And I also get to the point where when I look back, I had just thought, why bother? Why bother blow drying my hair? Cause I'm not going anywhere. I'll just let it air dry. And then the thing for me is I realized I I'd stopped looking at myself in the mirror. So there was a really massive disconnection there. And so I just wrote this piece about actually every time I feel like that, and during lockdown, I'm sure you will agree, there's been a lot of why bother. I mean, there's no need to actually put jeans on or whatever. Every yeah. single day I get dressed as if I'm going out and I put makeup on because for me, and there are days when I haven't, I haven't, but I ask myself, why aren't you doing it? And if it's like, cause you're just a bit tired and you're gonna have a sofa day and watch Marvel films, then I'll let it go. But if it's yes. because I feel myself slipping, then I'm like, right. Where is my most vibrant lipstick and bombastic mascara? Because there is something about that connection, looking yourself in the eye, in mm. the mirror, I think.
1: Uh, definitely. Uh, what's so funny is that there are times where, you know, in the morning you're like, oh goodness, you know, it all feels a bit overwhelming. And you put your makeup on and you go, and I say, so for example, I might go to a clinic and I look outwards for so much and, and then I tend to feel a lot better. I'm not sure it's 100% a feel good, because sometimes it's easier to concentrate on other people than concentrate on yourself. But I, I definitely there's something about putting my makeup on when I'm like, right, let's go. It's it's ready. Yeah. So it is It is something. But it is very hard to explain to my daughter why I have to put makeup on every day.
0: Mm. Do you find in clinic that, uh, especially if someone's got really bad, perhaps teenage acne, and maybe, do, do you find that that disconnection is something that is common or happens where people almost like in order to deal with the fact that they don't like what they see, they just disconnect from it
1: yeah definitely I mean people put towels you know they don't towels all over their mirrors in their house they don't look at themselves they won't look you know sometimes in clinic it's hard because you're like so have you seen this bit what do you think of this bit and they're like I don't like looking at myself the stuff I hear in clinic is so sad and just just genuinely sad and to anybody that thinks that skin disease is not, you know, important, you know, come and, I mean, don't obviously come and sit in my clinic, but you know, just the stuff you hear about how much it impacts on people's lives, about how much, you know, it changes them, you know, really, really changes their relationships, their working life, everything. It's just incredible. I mean, it, it really, really is incredible. And it just is why so many dermatologists like myself are so passionate about good treatment of skin conditions, because we see the utter misery that, um, it causes.
0: I feel like there's a bigger podcast in this, so uh, I have written a note. Okay, I feel so we're at the end now. We're at number five, but I have a feeling it's going to be we're going to end on a high.
1: <laughs> I don't, again, I'm not 100 percent sure that this is a feel-good <laughs> habit, but every so often, I have to be honest. It all gets a bit much. Um, so you know, I have a busy job, I have which is amazing, and I love my job, um, and I have a two quite demanding children who I. A, and are devoted to but every so often I have to just be like no no it's not happening today I just need to watch something totally totally frivolous escapism and and just literally escape for a few hours and I always feel better and you know sometimes I'm I'm divorced so I don't have my children every other weekend and you know every so often a Saturday is just you know binge watching something and i feel really guilty because there's like twenty thousand things for me to do and i'm just there watching my laptop but by the afternoon (laughs) generally i'm like okay i'm ready now i'm ready um and yeah so that's what i tend to do
0: it would be so wrong of me not to ask you what you've been watching
1: okay at the moment i'm watching firefly lane
0: i Um, i finished it
1: Yeah, I love a bit of, um, yeah, I I love that sort of thing.
0: I was, Uh, I mean, it was one of those things that I watched whilst doing many, many other things and sort of half paying attention, (laughs) (laughs) but hey.
1: Um, And I I also quite like a bit of murder mystery. Um, So I've watched quite a few of those. Um, I actually don't watch that much television um, because I don't really have all that much time by the time I get home from work and sort the kids out. And, you know, I don't watch that much television um but I'm watching Schitt's Creek at the moment and nice. Firefly Lane yeah nice. so really good and good
0: nice. escapism yes yes I know what you mean sometimes it's just nice to especially with the news being what the news is these days it's actually uh really quite nice to just go to Ships Creek and just go <laughs> David I love Schitt's
1: Creek it's so good I just um, want to sing
0: the theme tune from Alexis's tv show that never quite happened <laughs>
1: alexis no, I, so I think it is um, useful but i think it's something that i've realized that i have to put boundaries around this sort of escapism time because you know otherwise you end up with a whole weekend of thinking and then i feel really guilty and then i'm like oh all the washings piling up and i haven't done this for my children and i haven't seen my f- friends i mean i I feel now, like I've mentioned, my five feel-good habits that i all by myself, but actually I have loads of lovely friends. And when I do see a friend, you know, this sort of affirmation that you get and you feel so much better and you realise that, you know, everyone's going through various different things and you've got people that love you around you. But So I think with the escapism thing, I definitely have to put a big boundary around it. Like you can only do this for a few hours.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's an indulgence, not an everyday.
1: Right. It it definitely is.
0: But yeah. I think you've just said something really interesting because we've all had to pretty much figure out a way of finding that even keel without that social interaction. And I agree, I have brilliant friends. I speak to them all the time, but actually fundamentally the last 12 months of lockdown, I've had to be all right without them by my side, which I, I, every week I'd be like, hey, are you in town for this? Should we have a quick margarita? all of that's had to go. So you've had to, I totally know what you mean about having to figure out a new way of being self-sufficient while still allowing people in the space.
1: Yeah. It's hard though, isn't it? And I I have to be honest, I'm feeling a bit um, nervous about how life's going to go back to, I mean, I'm not sure, I I feel like, my goodness, am I going to go out again after work? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? It, It feels... Very strange, but I guess it's just an adjustment and we'll get back to it like the way we did with with lockdown.
0: I think coming out of lockdown for me personally and maybe you'll be you have a similar vibe, I feel as though coming out of lockdown is going to be harder for me than going into it was because I'm much I'm quite good at being by myself but reintegrating and I went to have coffee when one of when we were when we were out of lockdown a few months ago I went to have coffee with a friend and we sat outside at a cafe. And so we sat outside at cafe. There are people all around. I had my bag like double tied around me and the chair. (laughs) It was like, someone's going to try and rub me, then they're going to get me and the chair. (laughs) And it was just, I was just on high alert the whole time. And I didn't necessarily really enjoy the experience, but it's just because I, it was a bit new.
1: I think it's going to be really hard. Um, And I think, you know, I've noticed for my children, it, it was, it's hard for them going back to school with lots and lots of um, children around them. They they were in a sort of skeleton school um, for a bit. Skeleton school. well I mean, it's like <laughs> because I'm a doctor. They they were in school and they loved the sort of smaller bit. And now it's all busy again, and they found it hard. And I think it's exactly the same. I think we will all find it hard to readjust. But I guess we will
0: sensory and overload. I,
1: I know. I and I think it's interesting if you are quite a, a sensitive person. Um, I didn't, I mean, I'm actually now I'm talking to, I'm like, oh, and another feel good habit. But, you know, like my noise cancelling headphones on the tube, which I didn't realise. I've taken the tube for, you know, what, 20 years and I only got noise cancelling headphones last year. And I realised, wow, I hate the noise of the tube. (laughs) (laughs) It's so strange, but actually I am quite a sensory Mm. person and too much just gets a bit, you know, overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. So I think, I think actually... We've just got to always, as I always try and say, is you always got to try and flip it and see it's a positive. And actually the positive is you know what you don't like and you'll figure out lots of things that you do like and you'll figure out lots of things that you don't like. And that's quite a nice, it, that's quite a nice thing to be able to go. Actually, I'm not going to do that again, but actually I'm going to throw myself at this kind of thing more.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that takes a long time of sort of self acceptance, which is why I quite enjoy being in my 40s about thinking, well, you know, what? I don't really, I mean, I'm, I'm fine as I am, like, I don't need to change. Um, and it's interesting, when I keep mentioning my children, but when you're bringing up children, and my how desperate they are not to be different, and how difficult it can be for them to accept themselves as they are. Um, and, it, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what? wrong with being different. But I know that when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, I was desperate to be like everybody else. Mm. So I think you're right, just accepting who you are, knowing what your limits are, Um, knowing what you do and don't like um, is just is actually very powerful because then you get the most out of yourself
0: really empowering Uh, Emma these have been brilliant habits I've really enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for someone who is a little bit nervous about them you've knocked it out of the park my friend (laughs)
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's really, really enjoyable to have a chat about this. So thank you.
0: You're very welcome. And listeners, the links to everything to do with Emma, her clinic, her social media, her website, everything will be in the show notes. And she is the person to follow when it comes to skincare advice. If you've heard her on the podcast, you will know that she is very clear. She is very concise and she really knows what she's talking about. (laughs) Because when she came on the show, I was like, just go over again, how long you spent in school? Because you know I like to... I like to hammer home the fact that I get the best of the best on this podcast and you really did do your time. So, um,
1: God, yeah. I mean, that's why my twenties are a blur. It's a blur of like medical school exams, working and a bit of nineties
0: R and B. Oh, (laughs) I want to see the photos next time I see you. And thank you so much for joining me listeners. Thank you for spending your time with us. We'll see you on the next one.